Welcome to Banana Peel Boulevard, the podcast where we take the fall so you don't have to. Now, here's the adult in the room, Becky Harnden, and national award-winning columnist and author, Gary Jordan. Thanks so much, Michelle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hey. Hey, Gary. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be fun. This is one of my favorites, and I think this is going to be a fan favorite. So just for the 11 people who don't know what we're doing, a few years ago, wrote a book that gained a certain amount of popularity among people who read my column. Um, the 70,000 readers who read your columns. There were a few. <laughs> Let's point that out. Yeah. <laughs> Driving the road of life with a flat tire. And one of the things they talked about was... Uh, you write in your own voice. We'd love if, if you ever did your book on tape. <laughs> That's just way too much work. <laughs> this is way more no, fun. No, yeah. I, that, it just, I mean, I thought about it, and I may do it one day, but this seemed like a better vehicle. Well, everybody's going to have a lot of fun listening to this. This is six-time Emmy Award winning writer, director, producer, who has just um, given you all his thoughts on life in, uh, in one book. And if you don't have the book... Driving the Road of Life with a Flat Tire, you should really do yourself you a favor still and get, get it. it. <laughs> it is still available on Amazon and apparently little tiny bookstores in a lot of places. You know how Amazon says, also available from these sellers? Yes. Well, apparently little tiny bookstores pick this stuff up and they'll buy like three copies. And then when those three copies are gone, they buy like three more. It's been going on forever. So do you it's just mail them cool. out of your house? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. It used to be a guest bedroom. Now, <laughs> now, it's, now it's a bookstore. Yeah, it's a bookstore. A lot of boxes. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the uh, murder of crows. That, yeah. Does Ian hunt? Uh, for food in the fridge? Yeah, I didn't see you guys. As, <laughs> I didn't see you guys as big hunting people. No, you know, my husband's from Zimbabwe. He's from Africa. Hunting is big over there as a means of survival. Um, but also, you know, in in their world, the animals are a more, um, you know, more of a feature to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy the, their magnificence and their presence out in nature and um, hope, hope that you don't get killed by them, you know. Good but, point. uh so hunting has never really been a big, and I'm from yeah. Miami. You know, we hunt for different things down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Bernice and I are the same way. I mean, uh, we just we're just not we just don't do it. But I don't. I used to have some problem. I still have an enormous problem with big game hunting, um, just from a my own you know personal political, and I I know you feel the same way. But for Folks who go out and shoot deer and turkeys and quail and eat what they shoot and do those things, I guess I've developed kind of a tolerance for it. Um, You know, there is, I was educated at one point in time when I lived in the state of Michigan for a short period that if hunting season didn't open, the deer population would outnumber the human population. So there's a checks and balances. I get it. I just personally... You know, unless I had to feed my family, couldn't kill Bambi. And I don't have a problem with guns. I like shooting. They're fun. Sure. I mean, uh, I like target shooting. I just, uh, I'm just not the guy to go out and do it for a lot of different reasons. I mean, you know, my idea of camping is my longest extension cord. I mean, (laughs) 
where, wherever that ends, that's yes. where I camp. You know, I'm just, I'm not that, I'm a very urban guy. I was born in Chicago. And I just don't have that sort of cultural mix that gets me in a field with a gun looking for something to poke its head around the corner. It's just not for me. But but I, I became more tolerant when more and more the people who I care about in my life were hunters. And I know you know them too. And, you know, there's there's a special allure to it. I, I don't quite identify with it, but I can see where, you know, there are some cute hunting clothes out there. Well, there's that. <laughs> and I, you know, I look, if there's ever a chance for me to look moderately tough, which is a pretty big leap. Where does that happen? It's wearing camouflage. <laughs> okay. I mean, if I can find a pair of camouflage anything, I, I look slightly tougher. So I get it. I so so this is, this is funny because, you know, Maddie... My 18-year-old, who you love and adore, told her kindergarten teacher that, uh, I guess her kindergarten teacher had asked if anyone knew about camping or liked to go camping, and she raised her hand very excitedly and let her kindergarten teacher know that she loved to go camping at DeWitt's Cowatin, <laughs> which made me so proud and slightly embarrassed. <laughs> so when you went to the Ritz-Carlton, you told her we were camping. Well, we were at a certain Ritz-Carlton that had a, a fire pit right outside of our, our our door. You know, you walked out onto our own private patio and there was a fire pit and they started the fire for you and they provided you the basket of s'mores makings <laughs> and then they made your bathtub look like hot chocolate. And, and so I told her that that was camping because I wanted to instill in her a deep hate for the outdoors. (laughs) I would have bought that. So she, you know, like most kids do, has gone the opposite direction, and she absolutely loves camping in the great outdoors. So Uh, We took uh, our boys. uh, um, We didn't do much camping. It's another story for another day. I tried taking my son fishing once, and that turned out very badly and we'll read about that one yeah, of these yeah days. <laughs> it was uh it involved a cat it was not good catfishing uh, right yeah but it was I, I wish it was a catfish it was a cat um <laughs> that'll be another episode but this episode came because you know bernice is from the hills of east tennessee your wife proud family wonderful family and uh uh, she had four brothers and two sisters, big family. And her brothers were all hunters. And when I came into the family, it became clear in, you know, less than 20 seconds that I wasn't. She had married a city boy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so uh, I always wanted to try. And that's where this, this came from. And it was... Uh, it was a disaster, but it was. It <laughs> Hence was, it the was title, <laughs> "Murder of yeah. Crows," or "Why God Made Windows." Right, yeah, that right, and you'll and you'll understand why the subtitle exists in this story, <laughs> but but it was my reflections on on all things hunting and the disaster that became me on this crisp fall day. He's still married, so, by the way. Yeah, they right. haven't kicked him out of the family. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so uh, you ready to do the read? 
so okay. ready. This okay. is one of my favorites. Get ready. It's hysterical. Just picture it in your mind. This is the murder of crows, or why God made windows. When it comes to the great outdoors, I've decided that my only weakness is that I have no strengths. I don't function well in the wild. My idea of camping is being as far away from the house as my longest extension cord. I consider essential camping equipment to be a 24-inch flat screen and a carafe. I'm an urban guy. Give me a week at a brownstone in Manhattan, and I'm in heaven. Nothing relaxes me more than the distant sound of a siren in the night. I'd rather kill a bottle of Merlot than a deer. I think the smell of grass is highly overrated. Warm hazelnuts on a street corner, now that's worth a whiff. I like the feeling of concrete under my feet. I wore a life jacket at Disney's It's a Small World. <laughs> I actually, I when I first this. wrote that line, I actually did laugh out loud. He cracks himself up. Every once in a while I do. Look, I have good friends who hunt. They'll wake up at 4 a.m. to go sit in a tree for five hours and wait for Bambi to stroll by, and they'll love every minute of it. One friend just got a cool new bow with a scope. I guess that evens the playing field a bit more, but I'm pretty sure Robin Hood would scoff at the contraption, give Robin a scope, and the Sheriff of Nottingham his toast. If you take the whole killing an unarmed creature out of the equation, I get the allure, the thrill of the hunt, the hunter bonding, and shooting a cool gun all seem kind of fun. Responsible hunters eat what they kill. I do admire that. As non-hunters, we are confronted with our own hypocrisy. We have no problem buying a nice ribeye from the meat counter. We just don't want to do the dirty work. Correct. I admit it. Guilty as charged. I don't feel the need to raise chicken to eat an omelet, or for that matter, to drill a hole in the yard to get gas. I'm a gatherer. One of my best friends, John Citron, moved to Missouri to live on a farm in the country. He loves it. He has become an avid hunter of all things. He's thrilled to prepare an entire game dinner, teriyaki marinated loin of deer and pan-fried pheasant. It was wonderful, and nothing screams fresh like picking the buckshot out of your appetizer. But I'll admit, I looked over my shoulder before I ate to make sure I still saw the cat. Citron loves every moment of his outdoor life. He relaxes by sitting on his pontoon boat and skipping 22 rounds off the surface of his lake. Not long ago, I called him on a Saturday morning. He was sitting on his porch having coffee and enjoying the solitude of the farm. All of a sudden he yelled, Hold on! And I heard the phone drop. Then three shots rang out, followed by a stream of expletives, and then, Your day is coming, you son of a bitch. My first thought was that the country air had finally gotten to him, and he was holding off the feds. But it turns out it was another chapter in his ongoing battle with a snapping turtle living in his pond. John is a national expert in sports marketing, a former world-class hurdler, and sought-after track coach. But at that moment, all I heard was Jed Clampett. I've had a few adventures as friends and family have taken me hunting. My brother-in-law, John, has tried for 25 years to convert me to an outdoorsman. He has a 100-acre farm in East Tennessee. On one trip, he provided me with a shotgun. He might as well have handed me a loaf of pumpernickel for all the good it would do. But I gripped it like a man and gave him a confident nod. 
My wife Bernice has three other brothers, and along with one other guy who just came along to see the goober that Bernice married, they all joined in to round out the hunting party. John thought I might enjoy hunting crow. As a former elected official, I had certainly eaten enough of it, so the idea of killing a few was plausible. We loaded our guns and headed out for our guyathon. We fought our way through the brush filled with what John calls you ain't going no damn place vines. Past the vines, we marched up a steep ridge, and you could hear the crows off in a distance. Actually, yeah, why don't you guys do the crows? <laughs> Just. Yeah, <laughs> okay, all right, keep going. <laughs> And do not edit this out. <laughs> I didn't know what a crow sounded like. Thanks. Yeah, well, yeah, I know that. Hey, that's I thought, yeah, I thought Josh's crow was much better than Matt's, but that oh, and yours was terrible. You get the we'll crow award. There. Yeah, we'll go. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Next, we had to find the best spot. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, wait. A minute. Yeah, no, I'm going to keep going here. I want to. I want to try it again. But this time, I think it has to be less crow. We fought our through through the. We, <laughs> I only know one bird. Right, I know. We fought our way through the brush filled with what John called "you ain't going no place" vines. Past the vines, we marched up a steep ridge. You could hear the crows off in the distance. It was pretty cool. In fact, it was much better than that. <laughs> Next, we had to find the best spot to blend into the brush, and trees near the top of the ridge seemed like the right place. Like chess pieces, we all crouched into our strategic positions. I was really going to do it. I was going to aim a gun at something with the intent of hitting it. It was an entirely unexpected titillation. The liberal in me was wrestling with the prehistoric me like two emotional rats in a wool sweater. But there was no backing down. I was packing heat, which, by the way, was a lot heavier than I thought it would be. The guys were all in camouflage gear. I was in a navy blue Kenneth Cole brush leather windbreaker, but I pretended to blend in. Bernice's brother Paul was in charge of the crow collar thing. He would blow a perfect cadence, and the crows would respond in kind. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> With each call, you could hear the crow getting closer, <laughs> since we're now down to one crow. That was it. I was a hunter. My heart was beating through my chest. I was finally going to be a man's man in front of the Cox boys. I was getting hand signals from John. I have no idea what they meant, but I nodded back in affirmation and gave a closed fist double pump and with a two-finger chaser. I think in hand language, I just told him I had wet myself. <laughs> I felt the cold steel of the trigger. I could see my breath in the December air. The crows were about to appear over the ridge. We were at the ready. I rested my cheek against the stock and peered into the blue sky, waiting for the murder of crows. At that moment, my cell phone rang. The sound of crows gave way to The Way You Look Tonight by Frank Sinatra. 
It was Bernice checking to see how the hunt was going. I would have needed a courtroom artist to capture the look on John's face. His head was cocked instead of his gun. Paul was still blue from blowing the crow collar, and the guy who was just there to see the goober fell over laughing. Brother Bill suggested in the future a crow call ringtone might be smarter. Ouch, I thought. Mother Nature will just have to learn to tolerate my occasional visits. I'm the guy who prefers a skyline to a tree line, and I'm entirely comfortable having Ruth Chris kill my steak. I think there's something inside all of us that yearns for the great outdoors, and I'm pretty sure that's why God created windows, and that is the murder of crows. <laughs> Picturing you in, in your leather jacket. Oh, my gosh. It was bad. It it was actually reading that and reliving that moment. It was horrifying, not because of the crows, but because it set me back another three years with my brother-in-law. <laughs> the fact that Bernice calls you when she knows you're on a hunt <laughs> suggests that she's also clueless, not an outdoors person. <laughs> right. It was bad. If you'd like to hear other episodes. Uh, you can visit us at thepeelpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day, everyone.